The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Cover 3 College Ball Podcast. I'm Bud Elliott. That's Steve Robertson. And that means we are talking Mississippi State. He runs Gene's page. You guys, if you're watching on YouTube, you see that QR code in the bottom corner. Click that. Check out the absolute best Mississippi State coverage there on the internet and we're talking a really interesting Mississippi State football team that last year you know went nine and four all the power ratings legitimately had them as a top 15 you know rated football team had the tragic passing of, of Mike Leach unfortunately one I mean, college football's best characters Steve welcome to the show really really appreciate the time it, it it's an interesting time of, of transition uh for for the Bulldogs Oh, it is. And uh, yeah, I think Mississippi State made really the only decision they could make under the circumstances. I mean, Zach Arnett is extremely popular with the fan base, more importantly, with the locker room. I mean, I think the, the team really kind of rallied behind him. Uh, there was some poaching issues. You know, some people were trying to kind of exploit the situation with Mike Leach's passing and perhaps, uh, you know, influence a player or two to enter the portal. And, and so you elevate Zach Arnett from interim head coach to full-time head coach. He stabilizes the roster leverage a top 25 recruiting class and put together what we think is a pretty uh pretty talented staff especially with kevin barbet now as your offensive coordinator so bulldogs offensively will look a lot different than they have here the last uh, few years but there's a lot of optimism in starkville these days i i am curious about the offensive coordinator here we'll, we'll jump in there last year mississippi state had, had a quality offense i mean the defense was better than the offense was but they were both 
both good units uh, to at, le- at least per per my numbers. He does go Kevin Barbe from App- Appalachian State, and that's a pretty drastic change from what Mike Leach was running. For those of us who haven't followed quite as much, how drastic of a change could you describe this for the folks at home? Well, it's pretty drastic in many respects because there's going to be a lot more balance. You know, State kind of ran the football to keep you honest, but that's going to be a big tenet of the Barbe system, and you don't have any tight ends, right? I mean, so, you know, that was a big focus this spring is you had some guys that are maybe young tackles who will serve as an attached tight end. Uh, you get Ryan Godet to transfer in from Georgia, very talented player, doesn't have a ton of snaps under his belt at Georgia, but uh, that's a guy that shows up on campus as TE1 just by entering a transfer portal and signing a scholarship, you know? And so, uh, so formationally, things will be a lot different. It's going to be a lot more two-back sets. We really believe that Woody Marks is, uh, is kind of an unproven commodity in many respects in this conference, kind of a dark horse. I believe he'll be a star in this scheme. And by the end of the year, I think most people in the Southeastern Conference will know his name. He's led the team in receptions, but uh, he's a ball carrier by trade and, and uh, has been a great teammate, and really a leader. Uh, there was discussion last year that he might leave. Uh, Dylan Johnson did leave and go to Washington, but uh, Mark stays. And I think he truly benefits more than any other player on offense with this new Barbe system. So luckily for, for State, they get back Will Rogers, who's one of the more accomplished passers in the SEC. Now, he hasn't played in this system, but it would seem he'd be able to throw a lot off play action. Uh, how did he look in, in, in spring with, with the new deal? I don't know if I've ever seen him throw the football better than I did at pro day. Um, really, really, really impressed with him. And uh, I, listen, the concepts of the air raid are going to continue in the passing game. It's just the play calling is going to be a lot more balanced. And so it still fits his skill set. They're not going to ask him to do something that's drastically different than they have the last few years. And this is a guy that's put up some huge numbers, but I think he benefits from this too, just because of the fact that I think the reads will be different. I think State can get you into some mismatches, perhaps that are advantageous to the offense. And Will's a guy that has seen it all and done it all in this league. So you're not going to surprise him with a lot of, you know, funky fronts and things like that. I think he is a guy that maybe will prove this year that he is not a system quarterback. He is a bona fide SEC guy that can put up big numbers. Receiver scares me a little bit if I'm just going over the depth chart here. They they do lose what three of their top four receivers. It maybe it's a good time to go away from throwing football quite so much, given what what they lost. How does this position look to you? Well, they allocated so many receiver spots, you know, in the class. So there is some depth there. Tulu Griffin's a guy that uh, you know, very explosive guy, but he's been underutilized. I mean, they had him outside, and he is uh, he's a slot receiver by trade. The very one of the very first questions I asked Chad Bumpus when he arrived from Utah as a new receivers coach is, "What do you plan to do with Tulu Griffin?" He looked at me and he said, he is a slot receiver. Well, that's music to the ears of the fan base, because that's what people have kind of said for the last two years. And this this spring, they they brought him some on the backside of the formation, uh, handed him the football, kind of gave him the, the puff pass and things of that nature. So they're going to get him in space and allow him to create. We think he's a guy, too, that's going to have a, a big year. Justin Robinson's a guy that came on down the stretch last year, former Georgia Bulldog. Uh, really big physical X, kind of a jumbo X almost. And uh, he had a great spring, really excited to see what he can do. And you know, State doesn't win that ReliQuest Bowl against Illinois without a good game from Justin Robinson. So I think the first group is really good. I think the second group is kind of a work in progress and something once they get into fall camp, they'll have to flesh out a little bit. Makes sense to me. The, the offensive line returns most everybody. They lose the left tackle and, and, and the center, but a lot of guys, who had a good number of snaps and Nick Jones actually played a good bit more uh, than, than Johnson did 
last season. I think what did Johnson get hurt? I'm trying to recall here, the, like why why he only had three hundred fifty snaps. Um, but they should be fairly decent up front, assuming they can they can handle the scheme change, which go into you know, running as much stretch zone as they're going to run. Assuming they run what App ran, I, I watched a decent bit of App last year. Uh, a, a stretch zone, yes, I I, I assume with, with with a lot of the zone run scheme. And and how's the offensive line uh, transition to that? Well, I think the guys are happy not to have to pass block, you know, 75 times a game. You know, offensive linemen want to fire off the line and plow people in the ground. And really, the only the only starter you truly lose is Quinson Sharp, the center, which is that significant, though. I mean, you know, Q's a guy that's been in this league a long time. He had the bonus year uh, because of uh, he was granted a, a medical hardship year by the NCAA. So the last year he was back. So you lose that leadership and being able to make those checks. But um you know, Stephen Lasoya is a guy that they they uh, played there some last year when Sharp was down. Cole Smith's a guy that started in the early years of the Leach era here. He has kind of been uh, competing there too. So it you know, could be either one of those guys. But you know, by and large, they've done a great job recruiting offensive line the last few years. And so I feel like that, that group will be pretty solid and, and probably one of the stronger personnel groups on the team. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how this works out because they, they do return – a, a lot of guys on offense and if they get the scheme if they get the scheme down pat and they're comfortable in it and if the tight end issue that you mentioned is not is not too you know a, too much of a hindrance that they could be somewhere in the ballpark of what they were last year right i, I would yeah. think yeah i think so yeah and really I, some people have said well you know it's the first year uh, the bottom line is defensively, you you pretty much returned that staff intact, except for defensive line. You bring in David Turner for his third tour of duty in Starkville. And this is a guy that recruited and trained and cultivated and developed Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox. I mean, this is a guy that routinely puts guys in the National Football League. Uh, David Turner is a guy that fits at Mississippi State. His value system kind of resonates with recruits and you know, families in this area because he's kind of a small town guy himself. And so uh, I think, you know, really the story of this team is going to be, as you mentioned, how quickly can the offense get up to speed and run the full expanses of the playbook? If they have to dumb it down early on, that's to be expected. By the time you get into SEC play, you need to be able to run the full complement of the playbook, and that's going to be Barbe's biggest challenge this fall. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Absolutely. So defensively, you mentioned that defensive line. That's, that's that's where I want to go. They lose six of their top seven guys by snap count off the defensive front, or at least the guys who are 275 plus. So like your your, your big dudes, six of the top seven are gone. What What is the freakout level there uh, along the defensive interior for State? Well, really not much because, you know, Jaden 
State's best defensive lineman, but he missed most of the year last year to injury, and uh, he's back up to 100%. He's a future NFL guy and a guy that David Turner has uh, been very impressed with in the spring. So he's not included in those numbers, but he is the guy that most people would say is State's probably best NFL prospect. Uh, and then, you know, you've got a couple other guys, too, that, uh, you know, DeMonte Russell is a guy that kind of came into his own later in the year, but he's a guy that's going to have to take a bigger role. And, you know, where I'm concerned really more than anywhere else is really on the edge. You know, how do, how do they you know, police the edge? How do they rush the passer without just kind of selling out? Of course, the scheme itself kind of lends itself to being blitz crazy and blitz happy. You you're not going to drop back into, uh, you know, a drop eight very often. The state's going to bring pressure from somewhere on just about every snap. So uh, the scheme itself, I think, kind of covers up some potential deficiencies at the edge. But you really need somebody to emerge as a sure enough pass rusher there on the edge. And that could be Russell. Obviously, State, we, 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 they run that, you know, the three down stuff but quite a bit we, with, with Tyrus Wheat leaving as well. Is there somebody from the outside backer position that you would expect to maybe pitch in there as well? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think that's one of those that's one of those position battles that'll go into the fall. I, I think you feel really good, you know, with uh, Buki Watson and Jed Johnson. I mean, they return as the, t- the top two most productive tacklers in the Southeastern Conference. But a lot of that too is because people had to account for Tyrus Wheat. How did that impact things? You know, I think that's a position battle that uh, probably won't be settled until maybe install for the first week. But um, you know, th- there's a few names there. I mean, Ty Cooper is a guy. Uh, they feel really good about, um, you know, John Harris is another guy that, um, you know, that there's just John Lewis, excuse me. There's some numbers and names there. There's not a lot of production. So there's some talent and it's going to be about finding the right mix, but you feel great about your other two spots, but that Tyrus wheat vacancy could be, uh, could be a burr in the saddle. Yeah. I, on my stats page, Tyrus wheat kind of jumps off the page at me. The, the, the led the team in double teams faced. So like <laughs> opposing offenses definitely feared him. Quite a bit, and despite that, he also led all the edge rushers in havoc created. So, if you're getting a lot of double teams, and you're still beating them, I mean, that's that's certainly a guy we're going to be watching to see how they, how they replace. In, in the secondary, Steve, they they lose quite a bit, uh, and I, I know they recruit the position very well. Uh, they lost Emmanuel Forbes to the draft, Colin Duncan, uh, Jalen Green, Jackie Jackie Matthews, Sean Preston, and uh, and Furge are, are all, I believe, gone. Right? That's that seems like a lot. Is there a reason for hope here that they won't have a big drop off? Well, Preston and Verge are still here. Uh, oh, they are. Okay. That is the biggest concern. That's why I love summer school. I apologize. I, yeah. I had them off my roster. Well, that's that's the biggest concern on the entire team is what do you do in a secondary? The Cameron Richardson, we think, is a future NFL guy. I mean, Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes have both been drafted in the last two drafts. The Cameron will probably have a good enough year to come out this year. But what do you do around them? State hit the portal really hard. They invested some scholarship spots and, uh, you know, getting some guys in. And I don't know that anybody has really taken ownership yet uh, of some of those positions. Furge is a guy that has really competed hard, and they haven't been able to run him off. I mean, he's one of those guys you think, this kid's going in the portal every single year, and he just won't leave. He just keeps hanging around. Uh, Speedy Banks, you know, former Alabama uh, corner has made the move to safety, which has allowed him the ability to kind of create a little bit more. I talked to him a couple of good days ago. He loves the position uh, change. So you feel good there, but you worry about the depth. I mean, you really do. Sean Preston's a guy that's been a really good run stopper in coverage at times. He's been a little bit shaky. Uh, but, yeah, you lose a ton there, and it would be irresponsible to get on here and say, oh, yeah, that secondary is going to be great. Hey, the talent's there to be good. 
but there's no evidence outside of the Cameron Richardson that you look at and say, hey, this is going to be a strong point. That's the biggest challenge for this defense as they get ready to fall camp is how do you shore up the secondary and how do you settle the two deep? So I, I usually ask this question on the show. Last year, the defense was better than the offense. Is that still the case in your expectation? I think it probably is right now just because you're making the change schematically on offense. I mean, Matt Brock takes over as a defensive coordinator. Of course, Zach Arnett will still have his fingerprints on everything. Uh, but it was Matt Brock calling the plays in the Relax Quest Bowl against Illinois when State set a season high for sacks in the ballgame. So that the continuity of terminology and a philosophy on defense really kind of lends itself to thinking this defense has a chance to be really good, especially if they can find a couple bodies in the secondary to to make some plays and offensively because it is a new system no matter how simplistic it may be and no matter uh, what a great job barbe did in his one year at appalachian state because their numbers were ridiculous compared to what they were the year before but can he do that two years in a row and that that's really the challenge so i think yes the defense will be ahead of the offense for much of the year the hope is once you get into the month of october you're kind of getting up to speed offensively and then uh, the offense can carry a little more of the load no doubt about it i always ask where is the spot other than the quarterback position where the drop-off between starters and backups is pretty extreme and they just they, they cannot afford injuries? Well, I think it's probably a linebacker, to be quite honest with you. And we talk about the secondary. You know what you have in proven commodities of Buki Watson and Judd Johnson, but if one of those guys goes down and you're basically asking a special teams guy or a role player guy, J.P. Purvis is a guy that had some big moments last year as a reserve. Uh, but he hadn't been able to win a job, you know, but he is a guy that's a good depth guy. But if you have to rely on those guys, no matter how much experience they have, uh, where does that leave you? Because, uh, you know, Bookie Watson's a very, very talented player. And Jed Johnson's just one of those guys that he just kind of quietly goes out there and puts up 10 tackles a game. And no, nothing's ever flashy about it. He's got this blue collar appeal to him. But if one of those guys goes down, I, I think it really makes a difference with this defense because, you're already having to replace Wheat. I just don't know if they have the talent and depth to absorb having to replace two uh, starting linebacker spots this year. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, Steve, I, we, we mentioned this on the show uh, when the hire was made, and I, I do have a, a bit of a question about the Parbay hire with, you know, with Arnett. Being a, a defensive coordinator, elevated the head coach, and the, the, the scheme being so drastically different for the most part, uh, both in terms of what they're running and, and the, the splits with the run pass, from what Leach ran, like, is there any worry in your mind that there is some like must champ Pruitt going on here where you see a, a guy, defensive coordinator gets elevated head coach, and they're like, hey, let's call the offense to benefit the defense as opposed to let's have the offense go go score points. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear some of these defensive coordinators sounds like, let's run the ball a bunch. And it's like, I mean, the game's kind of a passing game now, right? Like, like not that you don't need balance, but is there a worry in your mind that, that there's like some must champ Pruitt potential here? Possibly. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable concern because, you know, I know Arnett wants to run the football more. And, of course, coming from the defensive side of the football, you understand a lot of that is to save wear and tear on the defense. And there were times last year, especially games the state struggled. I mean, I, namely, I remember Kentucky. Defense is just playing absolutely lights out. The same thing for LSU. People forget state had the lead in Baton Rouge in the fourth quarter. And you muff a punt. Next thing you know, the game's over and uh, state just couldn't score. But the reality was defense is going out there getting you stops, and they weren't getting enough help from the offense. And so I think you're going to see some more, not just balance, but I think more of a commitment to the run just to save some wear and tear on the defense over the course of ball game in the season. I think that is a, a reasonable concern, but also probably a reasonable strategy 
because there were times last year when State played exceptionally well on defense for three quarters and just wore down in the fourth. Makes a lot of sense. Steve, really appreciate you joining us here on Summer School. Everybody check out Gene's page, and we'll be seeing you soon. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Hey guys, welcome back into Summer School. I'm Bud Elliott. That's Jackson Moore, and that means we're going to talk a little Fresno State, the defending Mountain West champions. You guys need to go to barkboard.com, check it out. Jackson, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. No doubt. So 10-4 and four last year, Mountain West champs, a really good G5-level team, especially when, when Jake Hayner uh, was in the lineup. He missed a couple games due to injury. Uh, we'll, we'll jump right into this. Obviously, Jeff Tedford uh, knows how to coach football. Uh, I think if you just assume Fresno State, Tedford, quarterback that's a, you know, probably an NFL, like guy's going to stick around for, for a while on a roster because how smart he was, that the offense was better than the defense. But the offense actually was not as good as the defense last year. And I'm curious as to like what the drop-off here is. Last year when Hayner wasn't in, they did struggle some at times. Uh, what is the, the quarterback situation like this year for the Bulldogs? Yeah, so they do bring back Logan Fife, who started the four games in place of Jake Hayner that he missed. And the first two were not pretty. And the second two, uh, I mean, one of them was a season-changing win over San Jose State. Uh, if they lost that game in week two of conference play, they might not have ever climbed out of that hole. But they hit him with a, a strong defensive performance, got that win, and then they went off for 40-plus points in New Mexico, and then we really didn't see him again the rest of the year. Um, as the Bulldogs won seven straight. Uh, but they have gone out. They've got a transfer, Mikey Keene from UCF, a guy that started quite a bit as a true freshman, eight and three as a starter uh, over there. Uh, kind of got a rough deal, it seems like, with some of the quarterbacks that came in and out of there and with the coaching staff there with Gus Malzahn, a guy that just seems to be uh, pretty beloved at UCF, but not the guy. Um, so Fresno State would be very happy to have him be the guy. Uh, they had a six-way quarterback competition in the spring. Uh, that has rolled down to about three and a half, <laughs> I'd say. Uh, it's pretty much five or Keen or a, uh, a really impressive redshirt freshman, Joshua Wood, who was the top G5 quarterback commit uh, as far as 24-7 ratings go in the 2022 class who redshirted last year. Um, it's likely to be Keen, um, but... The Bulldogs have three quarterbacks. They are all given a shot right now. Interesting. So they, they do lose their top four receivers, at least by a number of snaps taken. Who's expected to step up? Is it one of the transfers? Is it a young guy that, that's going to take the next step? Because that, that is an awful lot to lose, it feels like. 
Yeah, it's a lot. They've got uh, three different receivers um, on NFL rosters right now from last year's team. And the guy that would have been the guy this year transferred to Washington State, Josh Kelly. Um, so it's really, <laughs> it's pretty bare. Uh, but they bring back Eric Brooks, who was the number two slot receiver. He's caught a lot of passes in his Bulldog career, coming as a walk-on and earning a scholarship over his career. And they've got Magdalena, who has been one of those players that you just have pinpointed as being behind all these NFL receivers that Fresno State has had. And now it's his turn. Uh, other than that, it, it's a, a whole lot of questions. They just recently, after spring, uh, brought in some transfers. Um, so that is going to change the picture quite a bit. They swung and missed on, on a lot of transfers the first time around in the recruiting process. Brought in three junior college receivers for spring camp and um, probably second team guys at this stage. Uh, didn't quite emerge as uh, immediate starting replacements, um, but they did add a couple of transfers most recently. Jalen Gill out of Boston College, uh, an almost five-star out of high school that went to Ohio State, um, probably answers that slot position, the kick returning that they got out, the, out of the receiving unit as well from Nico Remigio. And they added uh, Mikel Barkley as well, a guy that was at TCU for a few years, had a decent season at Toledo. Um, the one name that comes back on the roster that has not played that could be a factor is Josiah Freeman. Six foot three, uh, rangy, was a junior college addition late and redshirted. Uh, Jake Hayner himself pointed him out as the next guy in that room. So uh, there's a lot of uh, expectations on him, as well as Jalen Moss, who was their top recruited freshman last year overall. Uh, he redshirted and might potentially, probably Moss or, or Freeman will be starting on the outside based off what we saw in the spring. So, um, not quite the talent they had last year, but it could still end up being a solid room. So the offensive line uh, returns almost entirely intact. You, you, you lose Bula Schmidt, right, uh, who was a, a pretty good center. Dante Bull, I, I thought he was going to be good, but he didn't really play because of injury, I, as far as I, I can tell. It, is there a reason to believe this offensive line could be better? The big reason was probably coaching rather than personnel. Um and not that Saga Tuatelli wasn't a great coach. He's at Arizona State now for a reason. But, um, you know, there's been the same group, and they haven't progressed all that much. I mean, they have from 2020, <laughs> that was pretty poor, but uh, it hasn't been quite up to the par, and all the talent at the skill position covered for a lot of that. So you got a fresh uh, coach in there, and Brian Armstrong, who did some exotic things at Montana State. Uh, they ran the ball very effectively. Um, which Tuatelli had done at Army as well. But um, the big issue has been pass protection. So we'll see if, if he's the guy that's going to fix that. Um, the Bulldogs brought in some transfers at tackle. That's another big one. Um, uh, they just got Kingsley Ogu from Kansas State uh, very recently. It would uh, Not a spring edition, of course. So kind of a wait and see if he can fill in, as well as Hayden Poulos, who was an All-American junior college tackle who tore his ACL before last year and saw his recruiting take a dump. He's a local kid from Hanford, Fresno area. So uh, if one of those two guys can fill in at left tackle, um, their previous left tackle, Jacob Spomer, is maybe replacing Bula Schmidt at center. So personnel-wise, it, it could be better, um, uh, marginally probably, but uh, you hope the coaching uh, can kick it up a notch. So last year, this defense, as we mentioned, was actually a little bit better than the offense. Now, they lose David Perales, who I thought was just 
he was like a 24 year old dude just wrecking the Mountain West, and and most teams, most teams really couldn't couldn't handle him. They also lose transfers to what Colorado and Northwestern, but those guys up front really didn't play very much. So I'm kind of curious as to your assessment of this defensive front now with those three guys gone. Like, do the Colorado and Northwestern guys actually matter? Is Perales the only thing we need to worry about here? Yeah, Matt Lawson going to Northwestern. He was a third teamer in the spring. Uh, preview they call it there and uh pretty much seemed like he was out of the rotation and uh we're kind of surprised that he's at a power five school based off of that but uh he had a you know he was a steady bulldog for five years before that so not surprised someone's given him a shot like that um leonard Payne was a wrecking ball in 2021 and seemed to kind of butt heads with the coaching staff or you know for whatever reason he didn't play a whole lot in 2022 so um, Colorado talent, Pac-12 talent, but as far as Fresno State's defense last year uh, was kind of on the outside looking in. So um, it is interesting, though, because the guy next to Perales who kind of broke out and um, became or maybe the anchor this season is Devo Bridges, who was a 250-pound defensive tackle and uh, now is probably going to be back at edge. Um, so they've got uh, some spots to fill there. All right, Jackson, so they do lose five of their top seven in the secondary, uh, including a guy who I think got hurt in the spring. You get transfers to Oregon, SMU. Is this the potential trouble spot for this defense? You would think, based off of uh, that description, you know, I would say at cornerback, um, Braylon Luck started the season, got hurt, and then the spring got dismissed from the team. He's at Texas Tech, uh, just committed recently. Um, Kale Sanders going to SMU. He was starting out the year more of a starter, kind of got uh, unseated by the end of the season. Um, so at cornerback, they bring back Cam Lockridge, uh, who was uh, just a standout starter all season long, transferred in from Hawaii. And then when Lux got hurt, Carlton Johnson stepped in, and he was terrific as well. So that one-two punch of Lockridge and Johnson – was really the key uh, for those last three games where the defense seemed to really hit a different level. Um, the depth behind them is, is there's not much of it, and uh, they're both last-year seniors going into the year, so you know, that's a spot you're concerned about, both for depth this year and for the future replacing those guys. But uh, if those two are on the field for 13, 14 games, uh, they're going to be in very, very good shape. And then at safety, um, you know, they lose Evan Williams to Oregon. That was a big blow. They thought maybe he would go pro. They never thought he would transfer. Um, so that was tough. Um, they did bring back, um, uh, or they did bring in a pretty worthy replacement. Uh, Dean Clark out of Kent State was a 100-plus tackler a couple of years ago. Got hurt last year, kind of fell off the radar a bit, and they were able to, to bring him in. A very similar player to Evan Williams from what we saw in the spring. He's even wearing the same jersey number. So a lot of people have remarked that it feels like the, the same guy is back there for the most part. And we'll see if that comes to, to be the truth when the season comes around. But uh, the other safety spot uh, is really the only big question mark. And um, uh, Stephen Comstock, a former quarterback who has had to kind of wait his turn at safety, they think he might be the guy. There's a couple of players that probably aren't too far behind him either. So they can just account for that one safety spot. This secondary is in uh, really good shape. They bring back Maurice Norris and Nickelback in this four-two-five scheme. So, um, if there's not a hole at safety, uh, this secondary should be really, really good. Not this is why I love summer school. Like I totally would have thought that 
Fresno secondary is screwed here, and get as, as long as they get that safety spot fixed there and, and stay healthy, mm. they're probably okay. If you guys want that in-depth Fresno State coverage, make sure you check out Barcord. Jackson, really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.